has trouble with the snap, and the ball is free. Chucky Keaton, nothing but green inside the five. And he scores on the last play of the game. That is so clutch. Cut for the touchdown. Cut for the touchdown. Cut for the touchdown. I'm a man. I'm 40. Got him. No, they didn't. Oh, my gracious. How about that? Personal file. 69. Offense. He was giving them the business. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. All abandoned out on the field. And they run through our ass like shit through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. Oh, what a catch. I have an important question. Go ahead. What is Brittany doing with her life? The kick is blocked. Appalachian State has stunned the college football world. One of the greatest upsets in sports history. Welcome to Overcompetitive Bystanders. Today, I have a wonderful interview with Caleb Call discussing the BYU Cougars. Caleb is a born and bred BYU fan. He has some great insight onto how the 2020 season went how that's going to lead into this 2021 season, and just a general discussion about all things BYU. If you are a BYU fan, if you're going to play BYU, if you have any interest in knowing anything about BYU, I guarantee you're going to love this episode. Thank you so much. So, Caleb, what's the best part of being a fan of BYU? Uh, really, it's got to be all the pain that comes with it. <laughs> oh, no. We, 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 we've had a lot of excruciating losses. Some of it being, you know, honor code losses like Harvey Younga and Brandon Davies. Okay. But also even just at the Coastal Carolina loss last year. But you you have all the, you know, tough moments like that, the streak against Utah, but it really just makes all the good moments so much better. You, you get both sides of the spectrum. There is pain being a BYU fan, but awesome moments that we get along with it. I mean, just last year you had a COVID-wrecked season. A lot of the teams didn't even manage to play more than four or five games and BYU was able to push through and play a full 12-game schedule. They, you know, week to week, weren't really sure who they are going to be playing, but got the most out of the season last year. I'm sure it'll be a season that every BYU fan remembers for a long time. Cool. Awesome. What do you say to the people that have either a critique of, like, the difficulty of the schedule or, I mean, anything along those lines for last season? Yeah, I mean – we played who we could play. We, we had six power five teams yeah. on the schedule and we slowly saw one at a time, each of them dip off our schedule and half of them canceled their season before they kind of scurried back and scheduled a, you know, kind of makeshift season and others like the SEC just nixed their out of conference games. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like BYU wasn't trying to play a tough schedule. They got yeah, everybody they, they could. They, scheduled they got who they could. Game. Yeah. Yeah. They, they got that last second game against Coastal Carolina who was, you know, Ended up going undefeated in the regular season. Yeah, fun game. A little bit of a rough ending. Yeah, Um, it's definitely tough when the only loss of the season comes a yard short. Oh, I know. Yeah, that was that was a that was a really good game. That was that was. I've probably rewatched it about twenty times. Somebody posted on Twitter recently that they watch it in hopes that it'll be like a choose your own adventure game where you can go down some different path and have BYU win this change, time. Change some play and somehow they get yeah. that extra yard. Oh yeah. If only. Yeah. As a, as a Utah state fan, I've had a few of those myself where it feels like we always just miss late last second kicks. And it's like, man, if we could just yeah. have that earlier choice, maybe we make the kick this time. 
So how do you think this year's team is going to compare to last year's team? Yeah, it'll look a lot different personnel-wise. I mean, you lose Zach Wilson, you lose about a dozen others to the NFL. But overall, they're still talented in the program. And, I mean, ESPN, they posted that thing that a returning production is the last spot in the country. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they're not taking into account that we still, despite, you know, losing Zach Wilson – 2019, we had two quarterbacks start multiple games, Baylor Romney and Jaron Hall. So I don't think that our drop off a quarterback, it'll be big because, you know, Zach Wilson, he's a star. Yeah. But you still have two quarterbacks that our coaches have proven to be able to win with. I mean, you saw that personally since they both played against your Aggies in 2019. Yeah. Yeah, The two of them. Yes. Wilson wasn't even the one that beat us there. It was the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we have quarterbacks we can win with. Our wide receiver core should be the deepest it's been in since I've been alive. You have Poop and Samson transfer in, plus Gunnar Romney and Neil Powell who's still here. And then yeah, Isaac yeah. Rex, who led the country in touchdowns as a tight end last year. Yeah, yeah, the wide receivers looked really good. And alongside a, a running back uh, group, that yeah. looks really good too, right? Yeah, Tyler Algier, honestly, like borderline Heisman dark horse right there. He had seven yards of carry, which was, I think, the most in college football with the amount of carries he got last year. Okay. And granted, it was against – you know, the G5 competition. So we'll see what happens with the tougher schedule this year. Mm-hmm. But if Tyler Algier can just keep doing what he did last year, we're going to have a pretty tough two-dimensional offense to stop. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Do you think the line is going to hold up well with this more difficult schedule? Honestly, it's a good question. I mean, last year we wrecked most of the teams we played, but against Coastal Carolina, they had a few defensive linemen that went to the NFL and Mm -hmm. they gave us more struggle than we've seen in a long time. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were having a hard time running the ball. Zach Wilson was finally getting pressure for the first time in the season. Not really anybody else was able to get to him until that coastal game. So, I mean, there were definitely flaws with our offensive line when it came to playing against, you know, the best team on our schedule, but that's to be expected when you're playing a team as good as coastal Carolina was last year. Coastal was legit last year. Yeah. That, that close game is in, um, I, I know a lot of people try and discount it as like, oh, it's the two, you know, G5 or non-P5 teams that were fighting it off and, and whatever. But those were two legitimate top 25 teams that were fighting and, and was a great game. Yeah, so their, their line definitely did, did give a little bit of trouble to you guys. I almost felt like it was scheming a little bit because I, BYU was still, in general, a larger line. Yeah, uh, we, we had a bigger offensive line than almost any other team we played. I, I, honestly, I think the biggest issue is Coastal Carolina has such a unique scheme, and we only had two days to prep for that game. Yeah. if you, I, I think if you give BYU a full week to prepare for that game, I think BYU could have ran away with it. But it okay. was kind of the perfect storm to, to lead to a Coastal Carolina win. Yeah, or, or at least gotten one yard more. You know? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's very true. We talked a little bit about – losing Wilson and the two quarterbacks. And I know there's the other quarterback, Conover, right? The third one that is in the uh, starting quarterback battle. Yeah, Conover. I mean, he had the Alabama offer. Nick Saban gave him the full treatment out of Alabama, but he was born and raised a Cougar and kind of kept true to BYU, which is nice. I'm not sure he's ready to start just quite yet. From what I've heard from kind of some of the coaches, and I heard a John Beck interview recently who – 
they, they were saying that Conover reminds him a lot of a really young Zach Wilson. And Zach Wilson did start in his freshman year over Tender Mangum, but it didn't happen until actually until, after until the Utah State, State game. put put the yeah. on him, and then that led to the switch. Yeah, yeah, and, and so I, I think Conover. If Jaron Hall gets hurt, I could see Conover starting a few games by the end of the year, but he's probably a lot more turnover prone than the other quarterbacks are. I think a lot of that's just kind of a freshman coming in trying to differentiate himself. He's going to take some risks and not always the greatest when you have the stars you do. He's going to play within the system. Yeah. So is he is he a red shirt freshman or is he a COVID freshman? Yeah, he's just so a normal. He's freshman. a he's a COVID <laughs> freshman, so he can okay. still redshirt this season. Okay. And so it wouldn't shock me if that's what ends up happening. Because, I mean, he can still play in four games in redshirt. So even if Jaron Hall got hurt near the end of the year and Conover went in and start the last few, he can still go into 2022 as a freshman again. Okay. Outside of the quarterback situation, what do you think are some of the biggest additions to the team? You mentioned uh, the Nakua brothers transferring in. Um, are, there, are there any other additions? Do you want to focus on that one? What do you think? Yeah, that's a good question. I, uh, one of the kind of underrated um, additions that's not been talked about really by anybody is Caleb Hayes, the cornerback from Oregon State, and then okay. also Jacob Robinson, a cornerback from Utah State. Yeah. Um, it looks like those two – I mean, we, we'll get the depth chart tomorrow, but it looks like those two are going to both be on the two deep. And okay. from what the coaches have been saying, it sounds like this will be the best cornerback unit that Sataki's had here. And, I mean, cool. he's had Diane Gowalaku, who's – in the NFL, he's had, you know, a few pretty good cornerbacks, Michael Davis, too. And yeah, to be saying that's pretty impressive. I think that Caleb Hayes, uh, PFF, they had him as the highest rated cornerback in the Pac-12 his freshman year. Wow. And then he didn't play last year. I think it was due to injury and transferred over here to BYU. So I'm not sure if it'll be this year, but I think that Caleb Hayes will end up making a name for himself out here in Provo. Cool. No, that makes sense. Awesome. One of the questions I did have was with the defense. The offense got a lot of attention last year, but the defense also looked really good. Was there a pretty good turnover in the defense losing starters, or is it a pretty is it pretty much everybody's back there? Yeah, the defense loses some big names, but honestly, the talent that we're bringing back, everybody's more than comfortable seeing them. One thing that's nice with um, what Tuiaki's done with the defense is even if you're not a starter, lots of people have been getting playing time. Okay. And if you look at a BYU defensive depth chart, it's kind of funny because there's like 16 positions listed. They have multiple linebacker positions or nickel positions based off of the other team's personnel. So despite 11 starting on the field every game, there are like 15 or so listed starters depending on the opponent. So BYU does have players with starting experience ready to fill in the holes. I mean, Kairos Tonga is on the Bears now. You have Isaiah Kafusi on the Colts. You have a few guys left to the NFL, Zane Anderson on the Chiefs. But the guys coming back have experience. We're going to have some – Really deep linebackers, really deep at cornerback, and safety might be a little bit of a weakness. And then defensive line, we have some people that have been injured and haven't gone to prove it on the field, but coaches are raving about some of the defensive linemen, so we'll see how it ends up being. That's my biggest concern for the next season on the defense is just the defensive line because BYU tends to have a three-front which if you're going to stop throwing the three-front, you got to have three guys you trust. And yeah, they got to be good. an issue in the past. Okay. Interesting. So what do you think are going to be some of the most important storylines for this season? Uh, well, one of the kind of fun ones is going to be 
the fact that BYU is playing five Pac-12 teams and BYU is yeah. often compared to a lot of them just because, you know, we're near them and we're mm-hmm. going to be playing four teams from the South, the Arizona schools plus Utah and USC and then also Washington State. Okay. So it'll be pretty fun to kind of track and see with all the Utah banter how their schedules are so much harder than ours. We get to play kind of a semi-similar yeah. schedule. Yeah, we'll get to kind of see how we stack up against it. Um, yeah, I think that's really interesting because it's it's an interesting divide in the Pac-12 schools that you guys are playing. Because I look at, or at least what I've seen, I think Utah, Arizona State, and USC, they're pretty well, I think they're fairly close. I think USC is the best of them, but I think the three of them all have a legitimate shot at winning the division. And so it'll be really good to see BYU playing against what I think are three division contenders, if not conference contenders. But then Arizona and Washington State that I think are, are good low bars that BYU should be able to clear it's true uh, at they, least fairly both, well <laughs> they're both looking kind of terrible from the off-season reports i've been seeing you have arizona announced today that they're they don't have a starting quarterback they're going to be playing two quarterbacks against us both freshmen so oh, if you can't capitalize in that arizona game it might be in trouble for the season yeah yeah i think that could be an early sign of where if if that's i think BYU's favored by like 12 right now um and mm-hmm. they're not winning that one by at least two touchdowns I think that's a that's a at least a yellow flag for the season. Oh, for uh, sure. But if if Arizona's even competitive in it, that's a pretty big red flag. Um, because I think that's much more a statement about BYU than Arizona, right? Yeah. Now. But although I guess we did see back in 2013, BYU started the year off at Virginia, lost by four in like a torrential downpour, mm-hmm. and that Virginia team ended up going two and ten. We were their only FBS win of the season, and then the very next week we came out and ran for 550 yards on the top 15 Texas team. So yeah, that's true. Sometimes yeah. week one gives you some weird results. Yeah, yeah. I mean, imagine if BYU would have played Coastal week one last year, and it would have been the same game, and everybody would have said oh, well, I guess BYU is not that great. Or, you know, it wouldn't have been viewed as this is two great teams. It would have just been, yeah, two uh, non-Power 5 teams are are playing, and they had a a close game. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I even think last year with Navy was similar, where um, going into the game, there was certain discussion coming out of it right after everybody, oh, wow, BYU destroyed Navy. And then all of a sudden it was, oh, they weren't, Navy wasn't practicing hitting yeah. kind of changed the discussion. I mean, BYU never disappointed after to, yeah. to really turn around, but that week one can be weird. It, it can be real strange. Yeah. That game was funny too, because even after the Navy coach said that, I think it was like the night before the game, mm-hmm. Navy was favored to win and the line didn't shift at all after that. They were favored to win by I think three points going into that one. Yeah. And that didn't become a big issue until after the fact when BYU railed on them. Yeah, beat them fifty-five to three. That's a yeah. yeah. That was that was an ugly game. That was that was not great. I think if we would have had this conversation at this time last year, there'd be a little bit of discussion about Sataki on the hot seat. I mean, after twenty nineteen, it wasn't like his seat was real hot, but it wasn't cool either. He's definitely earned himself a lot of good favor. How? how much good favor do you think he's in? Do you think he's pretty safe for a while? Do you think one bad season could, could put him right back on it? Where, where do you put Sataki in, in terms of hot seat? 
Yeah, that's a good question. 2019 was interesting because we had an interesting start, you know, beating USC and Tennessee, but then dropping mm-hmm. Utah and Washington, both pretty bad, and then losing to Toledo and USF, who were both awful teams. Mm-hmm. But then we kind of rebounded under Baylor, Romney, and Jaron Hall by beating Utah State pretty good. We upset undefeated Boise State. Mm-hmm. And Kalani ended up getting an extension right at the near the end of the 2019 season. BYU was sitting at it was after the Idaho State game. Hmm. And then right after he lost the last two games, he lost to San Diego State and lost to Hawaii. So the extension news just kind of let had some interesting feelings afterwards because we lost those two games to Mountain West teams who were accustomed to beating. Those aren't teams that we should be losing, especially under a coach that we just extended to 2023. Yeah. But then 2020 really did kind of solidify. I think everybody's kind of in the Kalani camp. Granted, if we come out and look like garbage this year, kind of like in 2017 where we went four and nine, if we look like that again this year, obviously I think it will be right back on the hot seat and fans will kind of attribute his success last year to the easy schedule. So this is really the time for him to kind of prove that he can actually beat good teams. Yeah. Um, We've had some good upset wins under Kalani. I mean, he's beaten a myriad of good power five teams like Wisconsin, Tennessee, USC, Mississippi State. Mm -hmm. Michigan State and so on, but we just get those random weird losses to teams like Northern Illinois and Toledo that really should not be beating BYU teams. Yeah. So, so, so let's say uh, this year BYU has another awesome season. Do you think there's any chance that Sataki gets poached to go elsewhere, or do you think he's firmly at BYU? He seems like a. BYU lifer. He, he, he just kind of strikes me as somebody who doesn't want to leave. He's at his dream job right now. Okay. Maybe, you know, a great team could poach him away. I think the only way Kalani really leaves is if he gets fired. And okay. Tom Homo seems to have granted him a pretty long leash. I mean, before this last year, he had three straight seasons of four and nine, seven and six and seven and six. And mm-hmm. I mean, those are the three worst seasons that BYU's had in the last, you know, two decades, going back to the Bronco Mendenhall era, essentially. Mm-hmm. So he seems to have a pretty long leash. He's built a great culture there. Um, and it looks like the team has become much deeper. We're seeing more NFL talent from BYU now than we ever have. Mm-hmm. So it seems, seems like things are trending in the right direction. But at the same time, we've just yet to see Kalani have a special season like last year against a more difficult schedule. Okay. How much do you think Grimes had Jeff Grimes had an impact on that season? And what do you think the loss of Grimes is going to do for this team? Yeah, that's a good question. Grimes from recent reports, it seems like Grimes is more of offensive coordinator by title, but it sounds like Aaron Roderick had a lot of impact on the play calling, but okay. at the same time, I mean, you have Grimes who, the last time you had an offensive lineman drafted before Brady Christensen was back when Grimes was here in our early stint with John Beck back in the early 2000s. Okay. So, I mean, really, the only thing that you has ever been able to develop good offensive line play, good enough to get to the NFL, is under Jeff Grimes over the last two coaches we've had. So, mm-hmm. I think that overall the play calling isn't going to look that different. I don't think our offense is going to be, you know, shockingly different under Roderick this year. But I think that our offensive line play, I mean, we didn't bring in Funk, who he has a lot of experience at various, you know, even Big Ten schools. And I think Hoke took him over to Michigan when he got hired over there. I mean, he has good experience. Players seem to like him, but he'll have to prove that he can lead an offensive line as good as Grimes was. I mean, Brady Christensen was rated the 
highest rated player by PFF in all of college football last year. And I'm just not sure you're going to see players like that at BYU without Grimes. Yeah, that makes sense. So all of this taken into account, what's your expectation for this year? Um, I, I think the foremost expectation is you got to go three and zero against your rivals. Okay. BYU kind of proved last year that they are at least last year's team was much better than Boise State. Granted, Boise mm-hmm. had a quarterback injury, but we also had that in 2019 and beat them with our third string. So, I mean, I, I think we can beat Boise, Utah State. As much as I know you love your Aggies, it's, they're not. It's in a, a rebuilding spot year. Right now. Yeah, yeah, we don't have much of an argument this yeah. year. And this is our last chance to play Utah in the next three seasons because they are dipping out on playing us because they scheduled Florida. So uh, the whole war really is a must win. I, I think 3-0 against your rivals, and then ideally you have a winning record in your 7-P5 games. Okay. So 4-3 four, four and three in those games, and then 3-0 against your rivals, I think are the kind of keys to a successful season next year. Okay, perfect. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, just reading off the schedule real quick, you guys open at Arizona, then or I guess neutral site against Arizona in Vegas, then home against Utah, home against Arizona State, home against USF at Utah State, home against Boise State, and the first time that you play a road game outside of Utah is at Baylor on October 16th. Against Jeff Grimes. Against Jeff Grimes. You go at Washington State, home against Virginia, home against Idaho State, bye week, at Georgia Southern, and at USC. I I think I agree with you that that kind of early schedule is going to be interesting in that BYU can really prove that last year wasn't a fluke, especially with beating Utah and or uh, Arizona State. I think will be a great chance to prove that. Yeah, I think I think this is a, a good shot. I I certainly don't think last year was a flash in the pan. Um, I was not a believer early on in BYU season last year. I was pretty early on saying, ah, oh, they're just you know they're playing the sisters of the poor, and you know anybody yeah. can put up fifty against them. But I I think the beating of of UCF, I think the competitive game against Coastal, I think the solid win over Boise were all games that that I think showed that this isn't just a oh they aren't playing anyone. This is a this is a good team. This is a top twenty five team. Yeah. Um, one of the worst home loss Boise State's ever had in their history. Yeah, exactly. I mean it was it was that was a very talented team. So I I guess my last question is how did you become a fan of BYU? How how is your fandom fandom developed into what it is now? Honestly it is just in my family's blood, my grandpa went to BYU and he's had season tickets for about 40 years now. And so my parents, or I guess just my dad, he grew up going to BYU games along with my uncles and that little season ticket spot for my grandpa has slowly grown to cover more of our extended family. So All right. every week you're going to have about 10 of us, you know, in the same section. And we have been for years going to these games. I mean, I grew up, um, near Provo going to BYU games and Perfect. I mean it, it's to the point where I feel physical pain when they lose it, it's not fun <laughs> I get that I get that awesome that's perfect well Caleb thank you so much this is great to get to understand a little bit of BYU season looking forward thanks for coming on over competitive bystanders and and giving us a, a short chat
Yeah, thank you, Mason, for having me. Awesome, thanks. Thank you for listening. That was my discussion with Caleb. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that you were able to learn a little bit about this upcoming BYU year as we discussed. Last year doesn't look like it was a fluke. This year's BYU team is going to look good. could be a great year for BYU. Please listen to other episodes that we have of Overcompetitive Bystanders available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. We're going to preview a lot of different teams, and now we're going to start doing every single week discussing what's going on in college football, what's going on in the NFL. Come give us a listen. Thank you.